Welcome to the podcast, In and Through exists to equip the church to be hearers and doers of the word. My name is Tim, and I'm the lead pastor at Memorial Baptist Church in Stratford, Ontario. And my name is Marshall, and I'm the associate pastor of that same church. I don't know what just happened, but all of a sudden you hit me with this nice creamy bass note in my headphones. It sounded great. Nice. Is that what it is? I'm starting to get older. Maybe my voice is deepening. I, my I, advanced age. <laughs> or maybe, maybe or, you've done enough of your uh, Bible college degree mm, that all of a sudden you're getting preacher voice. I'm getting that. I mm. never got that. <laughs> I'm stuck with uh, this. <laughs> Whatever this is. It's okay. Stuck. It's not. No, you know what? Because you were from the South and now pastoring in Canada, you've got this this flavor that's rare. But you know what? A je ne sais quoi. Lig Duncan is also Southern. Mm. Yeah. Albert Moeller? Mm. I don't sound like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, accents and tones of voice aside, we've got some Bible to get through. Mm-hmm. We are continuing through the Gospels, and we've got some stuff to get into today. Yes. First, we're going to get into the forest. Yeah, and what then is, we'll get into the trees. What is that forest, Tim? I'm going to say it's a toss-up. It, they, they both mean the same thing, but what gets the message across better? Either it's Jesus ain't messing around. Mm, like that? That's good. We just want to continue with the Southern theme. Mm. Or Jesus ain't got time for that. Mm, also good. Both relevant and accurate, as we will see. Yeah, because there, there are a lot of... So, this week's reading is a great collection to give to those people who would say, Jesus just wanted people to get along. Mm. He just wanted us to try harder. He just wanted us to be good people. The teachings of Jesus were just, this is how you be good people. Not good grammarians. <laughs> good people. <laughs> Yeah, what we're going to find is that uh, Jesus's ministry is not necessarily, you know, this isn't kindergarten class. No. This isn't how to be nice to the other kids. Although, of course, I mean, again, okay, let's not let's not pretend for a moment, obviously, that Jesus isn't also very concerned with sure. with us getting along, with love and peace amongst amongst brothers and sisters. But this... Uh, there is nuance. There are other sides right? that we need to examine. So that is to say, Christian morality is an outcome of the redeemed heart and the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. It is not the goal. That's correct. So that we would just be kind to people is not the goal. It's, and churches have forgotten this. Yeah, you're right. So many times over. Uh, where we, we get into this thing like moral reform is the purpose of the church. Mm. Moral reform is not the purpose of the church. The worship of God and submission to the authority of God is the purpose of the church. Mm-hmm. With that comes, in part, a moral reform. But we get into these things where sometimes we're like, well, if we could just, in the 70s, get people to cut their hair. <laughs> right? I just want people to cut their hair. Right. 
Uh, after Roe versus Wade, we could just end abortion, mm-hmm. right? That's the thing. We just don't want abortion. I'm with you on that. Yeah. But more than that, I want people to stop trusting in their own ways and give themselves to Christ. Mm-hmm. That's the purpose of the church. Right. Right. And and I sometimes we fail to see that the heart quickened by faith and submitted to the Holy Spirit brings about that reform that mm-hmm. we're looking for. Calling for that reform just as a moral grounds without the Holy Spirit, without a submission to the authority of the Word of God and the person of Christ, it's just another argument for another worldview. That's true. Which is the way the world sees it, mm-hmm. because the world is not quickened to spiritual life through faith. Mm. Um, so. All of that to say, little soapbox rant to say we should be, we should in our interactions with the world be more evangelists than we are moralists. Agreed. And I feel like sometimes we tend towards moralism and not evangelism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and it's much easier to address moral issues with people mm-hmm. from a biblical worldview. Right. Once they've come to faith, <laughs> yeah. Have you ever have you ever heard Christians say? Because I've probably said this, um, but people, but Christians will say a lot of times when they're when they're giving their view. Sure, they're like, "Hey, I, I'm not trying to to change your mind here. Mm-hmm. I'm just telling you what I think." Mm-hmm. And I, sometimes I hear Christians say that. And I'm like, "Why aren't you trying to change their mind?" Yeah. If you're talking about a change of mind that goes from death to life, mm-hmm. of course I'm trying to change your mind. Mm-hmm. Of course I'm trying to change your heart. Yeah. Of course I'm proselytizing. Yeah. Right? It's what we're called to do. Right. W- w- I'm not trying to indoctrinate you here. Like, mm. I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think a, a more appropriate response would be like, if you knew God, you might think differently on that subject. Right? I think sure. that's, that's, that's kind of where, where I'm at in my, my interactions with people is sometimes is like, those of you who are like, no, nothing wrong. Nothing wrong with abortion. You're like, if you knew the Lord Almighty, you might have a different view on that subject. Sure. Right? But but debating the, the validity of that practice is kind of pointless if you're not presenting the gospel to them. Because mm-hmm. that's what they really need more than to just change their mind on a subject. Yeah. Even and, an important subject like that. And, and moralism in Christendom, particularly, what we've lived in or did live in for a couple, maybe a thousand years. Sure. Hundreds of years, if nothing else. Mm-hmm. Uh, it led to a comfortability with cultural Christianity mm-hmm. as this sort of like, there are those who um, are believers but aren't really sold in. They're not sold out. They're not fully given, but they go to church. They tithe. Um, they're going to be okay in the end. Yeah. They they remember that one time when they went to VBS and they said that prayer with that guy and they were baptized. Yeah, they don't they don't smoke or chew or go with girls who do. Is That's that... right. <laughs> uh, but this week's readings really flies in the face of that. It does. It um, does. and and to be honest with you, a lot of these passages when I was reading through them, I was thinking about how many times I've heard these wrapped in massive disclaimers. Hmm. Like, well, this is what Jesus really meant by that. 
and this is this is a, a cultural understanding of what was going on. So you realize like J- Jesus isn't really being as radical as it appears. Mm-hmm. Let's caveat this. Let's put some disclaimers around this and soften it up. Right. I, I don't think that's the case. Mm-hmm. I agree. So let's get into it. Let's look at it. Yeah. So instead of just talking about it, day one is we're in Mark, uh, Mark four and five, and right off the hop we get into the parable of the sower. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Jesus is kind enough to include the interpretation. Yes. And just a general kind of reasoning behind the use of parables. Right. Why he uses these kind of semi-mysterious illustrations to make his points. Right. And and he even talks about how this is something that was done in the Old Testament. Yep, and it was. He looks back to Isaiah's charge, mm-hmm. right? You're going to go and you're going to minister to a people whose eyes and ears are closed. We saw that take place there. Mm-hmm. Jesus says it is still, and in an ultimate form, taking place here and now. Yeah. Right? So it was true for the people of Israel in the time of the exile, while Isaiah was preaching to them repentance. It is exponentially true for the first century Jews Mm -hmm. who had the Messiah come to them, but they were unable, unwilling, Mm -hmm. sort of a toss-up back and forth. Why not both? Why not both? Uh, To see who Christ was. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, and the, the, the parable of the sober, sower kind of is related to that a little bit. Right. Right, because Jesus is talking here about, you know, the seed that is scattered and the different soils and, and how that, you know, what the response looks like depending on the soil. And I don't know if this is true for you, but the way this was taught to me as a child in a church that um, probably wasn't doing very good exegesis um, was really the emphasis was be good soil. Right. Right. There's different kinds of soil. So make sure you're not the bad kind of soil. Right. Because soil has that opportunity. (laughs) Right. Like be the soil that bears fruit. Right. Don't be the soil. Like, and so what I think Jesus is really getting at is he's, he's preaching to his disciples about what delivering the good news of the kingdom does in a world of diverse people in diverse situations. Right, and so these four types of soil are four different conditions of the heart. So you've got you've got a hard heart, mm-hmm. you've got the shallow heart, right? You've got the overcluttered heart, mm-hmm. and then the good heart, right? And so because these different heart dispositions exist, we need to understand that not everyone is going to respond appropriately to the good news that Jesus is bringing, Mm -hmm. right? And I think, I think more so what Jesus is saying is keep scattering that seed. Like that's what he's doing, but it's what he's called his disciples and by extension us to do. And just understand that like some people are just not there. Right. I had a conversation with, uh, I can say this because she doesn't listen to the podcast. I had a conversation with my youngest sister the other day about spiritual things. And she says, you know, I don't know where I land on this whole spiritual thing. Like could be, Islam or Buddhism or these different things, but I know one thing for sure, I, I don't believe in Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's the one thing I would just never, never hold to. And it was heartbreaking for me mm-hmm. that that is the one option she's decided to exclude from from her scenario. Um, and I, you know, I'll continue to pray that the Lord will soften her heart, but she ain't interested. 
Right. Right. And, and those people exist in our lives. And, and I think Jesus is just preparing us for that, for that tragic reality. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think I, I, I wouldn't go so far as dismiss entirely the concept that would say, be careful of how hard your heart might be mm. or how cluttered your heart could sure, be. Sure. Uh, but, but I do think you're right in saying that focusing entirely on our capacity to receive misses the other point of what it means to cast the word of God mm-hmm. to the masses. Yeah. Yeah. So from there, Jesus calms a storm. Yes. Pretty big deal. Big deal. The disciples are freaked out. Freaked out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the one who is commanding the very weather itself. Who is this guy? Yeah, seriously. Um, we've got the situation with the man with many demons. Yes. We are legion. That's... I love that what scares people here is that he, the guy's just sitting on a rock chatting with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And they're terrified. They're like, the man's saying, that's scary. Yeah. 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 Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> and interestingly enough, Jesus, because sometimes Jesus does this thing where he kind of, he heals someone, but he kind of wants them to keep it on the down low. Mm-hmm. Does not do it with this guy. Right. He says, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he's had mercy on you. So Jesus is like, okay, you go tell everybody what I did. Yeah, and which d- doesn't necessarily mean a change in his MO because he's going to say that again later, tell people don't tell. Yeah, so it's just it's an yeah. interesting thing that he's choosing that. Um, Jairus' daughter. Oh, so good. Mm, yeah, R- like... Really, really meaningful story. And, and and on his way there, there's the healing of the woman with the bleeding disorder. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and it's just such a cool scenario because it's like Jesus sensing that power had gone out of him, which mm-hmm. is like a difficult thing to wrap my head around. But it's just like, he's like, stop, wait, everyone. Somebody touched me. Right. The disciples <laughs> are like... Hey, that's a little weird because everyone's touching you. Everybody's touching you. No yeah. one was social distanced. No, there was no social distancing going on at this point in time. Yeah. So, so let me give you an interesting take on that that I heard one time. We we've prob- we might have talked about this before for the sake of radio, good radio. Just pretend like we haven't. <laughs> I heard a, a pastor preaching on this one time, and uh, his whole thing was about how God, God loves families, okay. and Jesus wants to strengthen the family. And so he got to this passage, and he preached it, and his point was, the woman who had been bleeding, been bleeding for how long? 12 years. The girl is? 12 years old. She was the mother of the little girl who started bleeding when her daughter was born, was outcast from the family. Jesus healing the mother and then raising the daughter back to life brought the family together. Jesus loves families. That's what that story's about. Okay. Okay. If that's true, that's super cool. Right? But we don't get that. So let's not let's not draw conclusions where there's they're not given. The we talk, only hint we have is this twelve year thing. Right. We talk about exegesis, right? Mm-hmm. Where we take the word, we say this is what it says. Mm-hmm. There's another side of that, which is eisegesis. Yes. And that is reading into it. What is not there? Yeah. That's eisegetical. Yeah. Don't do that. Could be cool. Is bad. 
<laughs> I I would note it in a podcast as a I heard a guy say one time. Yeah. I would I would never make it the point of a sermon. Mm-hmm. Because there's just not enough weight. Yeah, no. Not enough weight of evidence, but yeah, fair enough. Anyway. Anyways. Whatever it is. In Matthew, mm-hmm. we get the account where the 12 apostles who are all named finally we get this 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 collection of here's here are the guys right and they're sent out mm-hmm. to perform miracles among the towns of the Jews and uh, you know Jesus gives them this calling to you know not take any money with them not take any food with them just rely on the generosity of others but he says if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town Truly, I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. Yep. Jesus, what are you saying? (laughs) Right. Yeah, no, but this, I mean, here we're beginning to see that Jesus is not messing around, right? He's sending his apostles to this place to announce the coming kingdom and to, to do miracles even. Yeah. But if they're rejected, then, then destruction is going to come. Um, one interesting thing that he says kind of in the midst of that too, in verse, uh, so this is Matthew 10 verse 16, behold, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. I've heard that kind of analogy used for, um, for how Christians ought to operate in the world in which we live, understanding that there are, there are dangers. Uh, we ought not to be corrupted or caught up in all of the evil that's going on around us, mm-hmm. but we ought to be wise to it. We ought to oh, be sure. sensitive to the things that are going on, not be naive and understand uh, the context in which we find ourselves. Yeah. Um, and then Jesus says that he hasn't come to bring peace on earth. Oh, that's <laughs> that's an interesting set. Yeah. Right? Because, like we were saying earlier, there's there are people, like, everybody knows the quote attributed to Gandhi. Mm-hmm. Um, an uh, eye for an eye makes the whole world blind? No, the, oh, you're the, the idea that, uh, that he would, if Christians were more like their Jesus oh. kind of a thing, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, interestingly enough, Jesus wasn't a teddy bear. No. And... Although he loved, he loved in truth, mm-hmm. and he wasn't going to hide that, and he was going to say what needed to be said, and this, this is something that goes wrong on, on both ends of the pendulum, right? Some people who don't take the time to read Jesus will say, Jesus was just like, it was all about this big, like, let's give the world a big, huge socialist hug. Mm-hmm. Um and and just get along. Right. Right? And then on the other side of it, they're like, no, Jesus was a bit of a jerk, and that means I'm supposed to be too. Right. Neither one of those are true. Yeah. Right? The truth is offensive in that it calls us to die to ourselves. Mm-hmm. That truth is the offense, not the messenger. Mm-hmm. Right? And so to realize that Jesus isn't messing around with people. Mm-hmm. He's not gonna he's not going to come along Luke 9 is such a brilliant example of this, mm. right? Uh people come to him and they're like, "Hey, 
I want to follow you. And Jesus is like, no, you don't. Mm. You don't really. If you want to follow me, come on right now. Yeah. And they, they give, at the end of Luke 9, they give all kinds of reasons that we would mark as valid. Sure. Right? Um, I'll follow you wherever you go. So Jesus tells him, I'm homeless and you will be too. Are you ready for this? Hmm. Uh, so, And then another one comes to him. Um, or, or he says to one, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. I mean, Jesus isn't globetrotting to the point that if a guy showed up a week, two weeks, a month later, he wouldn't be able to find Jesus. Right. We'd look at that and we'd be like, hey, take care of your stuff mm-hmm. and then come on, right? Um, but Jesus turns three people in a row away who are saying, I want to follow you, but first I got stuff to take care of. Right. And Jesus says, no, that's not how it goes. Mm-hmm. Thus the, I ain't got time for that. Yeah. Right? Which, which is a very different approach than what the church takes now. Uh, David Platt commenting on this in his book, I think it's in Radical, where he says Jesus didn't read church growth uh, books because, <laughs> because this is not how you grow your church, right? You grow your church by being loose right. with things and saying, hey, we've got space for that. Mm-hmm. Right? Setting the bar really low. Yeah. Hey, you want to follow Jesus? Awesome. You don't really want to attend church? That's fine. Mm-hmm. You don't want to participate in anything that's going on because you're busy doing other stuff. That's also fine. Yeah, just do it your own way. Find, uh, find your fit, right? When you do decide to be a part, that would that'll be really cool, wherever that works out. Hmm. Um, but that's not Jesus's approach to it. No, Jesus doesn't take this sort of gradation. It's binary, mm-hmm. right? Either a person lives their life in such a way that the gospel of Jesus Christ and the worship of God the Father is their primary reason for existence. Mm-hmm. And everything that they say and do revolves around that truth in their life. Or they are not following Jesus. Yeah. Those are the two categories that the Gospels give us here. Mm-hmm. This week's reading is business. Yeah, yeah. And again, it's not, and, and I think we, we need to distinguish something here in relation to the whole idea of like regeneration and whatnot, is that I think what he's saying is you have to work harder at making sure that I'm the center of what's going on. Right. I don't know if that's really what he's saying. Right. I think what he's saying is if if you are my disciple, this will be true for you. Mm-hmm. Right. This is the scary thing. This is the thing that we have. This is the hard to swallow pill right here is if that's not the case, we have to evaluate. We have to to self-reflect and say, am I actually following following Christ or am I playing Christian? Right. Because I think there are three categories here. Right. There is the category of those who are playing Christian Mm -hmm. who would call themselves believers, um, but they aren't. I'm not going to pass that judgment on anyone. That's not that's my place between, to do that's that. That's between you and the Holy Spirit. Yeah, but those people exist. They do. Yeah. Um, and we're going to find out in number. Yeah. That's um, true. There are those who are obedient. They may or may not be vocationally ministers. Mm. Right. Uh, they can be living what we would consider ordinary lives otherwise, mm-hmm. but are wholly sold out to the person and the work of Christ. Yeah. 
And the third category is those who are actually believers, but living in the struggle for obedience, mm. which might be a kind way of saying disobedience. Right. Um, and so those seem to be the three categories that we're left with mm-hmm. in this week's reading. And again, this doesn't, this isn't a message of try harder. Yeah. This is a message of quench not the spirit. Mm-hmm. And your fruit will prove your faith. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so let's well, let's let's move into that because following Luke 9 we get into John 6. Yes. This is where Jesus goes into this lengthy discussion about about the bread of life. Right? He says he identifies himself as the bread of life. He talks about these people who've come to him because they've been hungry and he's fed them. We've seen him feed the 5,000. But he says, the only reason you came to me was because you're hungry. You had a hole in your stomach that you needed filled. Yeah, so the story is Jesus has fed the Mm 5,000, and then he left, and everyone followed him. Yeah, they're like, wait, free food? Nice. And they're like like seagulls on the beach. (laughs) Hey, what's up? Mine? Mine? (laughs) What you you got in that bag? (laughs) And so Jesus looks at them and says, you're not following me. You're following your stomach. Mm. I met a temporal physical need. And now you feel like you want more of that. So so I think in a lot of this week's reading, before this, there's a whole lot of talk about miracles and the faith associated with miracles, to which many of our charismatic friends would say, see, if you've got faith, the miracle will happen for you. But... In Jesus' hometown, there wasn't any faith, and so there wasn't a miracle. And so if you had more faith, you would have more miracle. That is 100% not the case. Mm. The case is not that they would have faith for the miracle. Mm. The case is that they would have faith that Jesus is who he said he is. Mm -hmm. And proved who he was. Right. Through miracles. And that they would worship him despite the presence of a miracle, Mm -hmm. that they would recognize his authority, not that they would believe for the miracle and receive the miracle. Mm -hmm. And Jesus proves that here when he says, you don't have faith in me. You just like the fact that I can feed you. Mm. If you want to follow me, you're going to have to taste my flesh and drink my blood. And everyone splits. Yeah. Except for 12. Except, except for the 12, yeah. Yeah, all his disciples are turning away, right? So it says in verse 66 of John 6, after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the 12, do you want to go away as well? Hmm. And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the eternal, you have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. For, for all of the rightly placed value on Peter's confession from last week's reading, mm. you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Mm-hmm. This one gets me. Yeah. This is where Peter says, you're not going to feed us? Who cares? Mm-hmm. Right. This is where Peter says, I don't even have another option. Mm-hmm. I'm here to follow you, and all of my eggs are in this basket. Yeah. 
because you are truth and you are life. Hmm. It, it, so what do you mean? Am I going to turn away? When I when I read kind of Peter's remarks, immediately this connection kind of I, I made this connection in my mind of Matthew four when Jesus is being tempted, and you know being tempted to to turn the stones into bread, and he mm-hmm. quotes the Old Testament saying, "Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word from the mouth of God." And so, and then Peter here, when these people are leaving this whole discussion about bread and Jesus did give physical bread, but now he's talking about something more spiritual and he's like, you are the one with the words of eternal life, mm-hmm. right? That is more important than my own physical sustenance, Yeah, right? The, 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 the bread will, will only benefit me in this temporary life, but you have words that go beyond that. You have words that, that lead to eternal life, right? So I'm not going anywhere. Right, and that the masses follow for other reason mm. is so obvious in Jesus's narrative. When they come at him and they say, "You want to you want to prove to us that you're somebody?" Through Moses, God gave manna. Meet our physical need, mm-hmm. and Jesus just shakes his head. Yeah, right. He just shakes his head and he says, "You, God, gave you." Man, gave them manna mm-hmm. and God has given you the bread of life mm-hmm. they ate manna and died right you take the bread that God has given to you that is me you will never die right and they wanted the here and now yeah they not just not just figuratively but they literally choose the here and now they see eternal life and they say yeah just wanted a sandwich yeah, and, and that kind of transitions us a little bit into the next discussion in Matthew 15 and Mark 7, uh, which are kind of parallel passages talking about what defiles us. And once again, it, it's connected because there was in that culture, as there is to you know in ours to some degree as well, this obsession over the physical things, right? The preeminence yeah. of the physical things. Don't touch. You know, don't eat the bad food. Because that will defile you, mm-hmm. and Jesus, is like, no, that's that's like what you eat goes into your body and is eliminated, <laughs> right? He he gives them a biology one on one lesson, and says that's not that's not what defiles you. The things that you can consume that way are not what defile you. It's what comes from out of your mouth, not what goes into your mouth. Because what comes out of your mouth is from the heart, right? And this is the same. We we've talked already about the nature of sin when we were talking about the role of Satan. Mm-hmm. Right? It's not what comes upon you that defiles mm-hmm. you. It is an internal thing. Mm-hmm. Your sin nature is is internal within you. Mm-hmm. Also, the, sometimes Christians get caught up in these swells, these very Jewish swells mm. of you have to also obey the law. Yeah, We talked about that a lot at the beginning of the year. Yeah. Uh, if you want to hear more about that, you can go back and listen to the 50 past podcasts we've done. <laughs> um or at least the first grouping of them. Yeah, Exodus uh, and Leviticus. But but here Jesus very clearly just sort of says, "No, it, it it was never really about food. That was more symbolic than anything." Right. Um Mark even makes the note in saying this, he declares all foods clean. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And so what's interesting cuz cuz I was want to cuz all of a sudden just now as I'm going through my notes and I didn't even realize this during my reading but there's this weird food connection because the very next thing is the Syrophoenician woman's faith. Mhm. Right? And so Jesus is outside the land of Israel. 
right? And this woman comes to him whose daughter has an unclean spirit and she falls down and she's, she's begging for him to cast the demon out. And Jesus response, when we read this, the first, like when you read this, like it's unsettling. Oh yeah, for sure. It's jarring. You're like, wait, who is this guy? Mm-hmm. Because she comes to him and he says, let the children be fed first for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Right. But she doesn't even flinch. No, like, it, it bothers us way more than it bothers her. Yeah, yeah, you're right because because she immediately goes, "Yes, Lord." Yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Yes, yes, Lord. Lord. <laughs> and he's just so impressed, right? He's just so impressed, right? The, the the preeminence of to the Jews first and then to the Gentile. He's like, you know what? For that faith, your daughter's well. And so, um. Yeah, and, and so, our, yeah, the very last day of reading, um, we get the Pharisees demanding a sign, right? Wanting that physical demonstration. As if he's not been doing this. The people are following him because of the signs. <laughs> this is why the masses are following. When he fails to give them a sign, they walk away. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, you'll get the sign of Jonah. Right. And they're like, what does that mean? <laughs> you'll find out. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, and, and so anyway, so we, we get to kind of this this point here, and we, we've kind of taken up our, our time for the podcast, but I want us to kind of to talk about our highs and lows a little bit here and maybe give some final thoughts on, on what we think about everything that we've, we've covered here. Yeah, I, I feel like this is, this is such a challenge to the, what we want Christianity to be. Hmm. We want Jesus to be the better version of us. The us that we strive for on January the 1st, mm. when we set our New Year's resolution, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Jesus is early to bed, early to rise. Um, he sticks with his gym membership. He doesn't skip cardio. He doesn't skip cardio or leg day. <laughs> and uh, he doesn't eat too many carbs. Right. And he's nice to everyone. Mm-hmm. That's That's what we want... Christianity that's what we want who we want Jesus to be so that Christianity being like him is just being that best version of us mm-hmm. in the first New Testament reading we did we hear Andrew say to his brother come and see mm-hmm. Jesus doesn't call people to come and see Jesus says come and die mm-hmm And sometimes we're really excited to say to people, come and see. Mm -hmm. But in that, we're also leading them into a potential to follow the masses in a way that says, I like what I see, so I'll follow. But when when they understand more clearly, come and die, Mm -hmm. they're like, that seems extreme. Mm -hmm. That escalated quickly. Yeah. But Jesus escalates it quickly. Mm-hmm. And if we're afraid of the come and die, come and die to ourself, then we're afraid of salvation. Yeah. Yeah. And if we're afraid to speak that truth to people, then we're hiding from them the gospel. It's true. 
we're hiding we're not presenting Christ to them we're hiding Christ from them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah the, Christianity is not spiritualized self-improvement it's not about becoming your best self right that's that's mm-hmm. that's that's the world's message right it's about dying right it's dying to that self and imitating something that is wholly different yeah. than what we are so that's my big takeaway but if you're asking what my highlight is yeah what's your highlight Peter saying, where would I go? Mm. Mm-hmm. You tell me. Yeah. If you're it, then where would we go? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's just a, that's an all in, mm-hmm. right? Like Matt Chandler likes to say, that's writing the blank check, sliding it across the desk. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. For me, I have a hard time calling it a highlight. Uh, but what stuck out like a sore thumb to me was Jesus being rejected in Nazareth. Mm-hmm. In his hometown, right? The people who knew him best um, had the hardest time accepting him. And uh, yeah, I mean, I I experienced this, you know, in my own family and in the people that I grew up with, right? Trying to speak truth. Um, it right. is, is much easier for me to um, share things with people <laughs> that I didn't grow up with, right? And in that that conversation with my sister just kind of knocked the wind out of me. And uh yeah, not that I'm not that I'm giving up, but it was just I I felt the pain there a little bit. Yeah, and the scribes and the Pharisees make that argument often. Isn't this the carpenter's kid? Yeah. Don't we know where his parents live? Yeah. 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 It's tough. Well, thanks for listening. This podcast is a resource of Memorial Baptist Church in Stratford, Ontario, and is produced by Alex Walker. Until next week. See you later.